Welcome, everyone. Our subject today is is um, the subject today is understanding the concept of Selim Elokim, because that idea is the basis must be the basis for our chinuch. We'll start out like this. We'll ask the question that we ask for ourselves, and certainly the question we ask when it comes to our children, what we want for our children. If we had to create a single idea, if we had to articulate a single idea, what do we want for our children? We would say we want them to lead a well-lived life. Right? What constitutes a well-lived life? That is the question. In order to answer the question of what constitutes a well-lived life, we have to ask a previous question, a more basic question. How can I know how I shall live and how I shall educate my children to live before I know what sort of being am I? What sort of creature am I? Now, in order to answer that question, we would look for an answer where we should expect to find an answer, and that would be, Right when HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates humanity, right when he brings mankind into existence, you would expect to find some type of expression, some type of explanation of what sort of being is this. And you do. First chapter in Bereshus. You find God's definition of what sort of being is a human. And of course, we're speaking about what HaKadosh Baruch himself says, Nasa Adam B'Tzalmenu, Etzelem Elohim. But Etzelem Elohim is not some general, vague description. It is a specific and scientific, it has a scientific explanation. The Nefesh Achaim, the student of the Vilna Gon, who Dr. Pelkowitz, of course, just quoted, the student of the Vilna Gon, of Chaim Velazhin, wrote a sefer called the Nefesh Achaim, and it is now in an abridged version in English. It's dark blue. It's required reading, excellent summer reading. It's a mystical sefer about the nature of hum- the human being. And right in the beginning, in the first chapter, he explains that the name Tselem Elohim, the title Tselem Elohim is very specific. Hashem has many names, but it is the name Elohim that we are in the image of. What is the name Elohim? He says, just look at the context. The only name of God that you will find in the entire chapter one of Sefer Bereshis is Elohim. And that is the chapter where God is doing nothing but creating. So it's Selim Elohim is a creator. A human being is designed to be a creator, just like God. But now you ask the next question. As a parent, how do, who, how do I cultivate a creator? And the next question, which is, uh, what shall they create? What shall I create? There's about a billion options of what a person can create in this world. What should I focus on to the, ex- to the exclusion of everything else? What is the most important thing? And how do I cultivate a creator? So in order to understand how to cultivate someone who's a creator, we first start with how to destroy, how to, what would destroy the creative ability in a person. 
And that would be to try to deny that a person has the capacity to be a creator. How do we do that? We say that a person is designed to follow someone else's instructions and live out someone else's dreams and obey someone else all the time and do exactly what someone else wants. Well, we have a word for such a person in such a predicament, and that is a slave. <laughs> a slave. And Judaism as a nation, as a religion, begins with the exodus from slavery. Because the basic Jewish notion is human beings are not slaves to other people. They are creators of their own reality, of their own destiny, of their own universe. Each person is in charge of creating the universe that they determine to be the one that they are going to live in. And we know that's true. We create the governing, we choose, we select the governing principles of our world. And then we live in a world that is fashioned after the principles and the ideas that we choose. Just look at the difference between a person who lives in a world that they've created, which is, which is defined by an ayin tov, versus a world defined by an ayin hara, ayin ra, a negative and angry, you know, type of attitude. Two different universes completely. Same individual, same type of human being. My grandfather has an, in, has an insight into three halachas that are juxtaposed to each other in Sefer Mishpatim. My grandfather is of Shimon Schwab, and he is discussing, and we'll quote a few things from him, the impossibility of, of denying a human being and specifically a child, our children, denying them the right to be independent, to be creators, to, sele- to, choo- to learn, to choose, to question, to decide. Qu- the danger involved with compelling our children to be little props in our show. And he says the following three halachas are found next to each other in Parshas Mishpatim. First halacha, ma'ke aviv v'imo mos yumas. Person hits or wounds their parent, death penalty. Next halacha, gonev ishu machro, you steal, kidnap a person and sell them. Mos yumas, death penalty. Third, makalel aviv v'imo, curses father and mother, mos yumas. Now, what is the halacha of kidnapping a person in between the halachas of wounding your parents, hitting your parents, and cursing your parents. So he says, if you treat your children like kidnapped prisoners who can't be free to do what they want, it will start with them, you know, violently opposing, hitting their parents, and end in a much worse state, which is cursing everything about their parents. So the idea here is creative, to be creative, to be a creator. Now, the, da- the difficulty of being a creator that parents have or letting our children become creators is that it involves an, a very difficult force that we have to harness, and it is the exact same force that a Kaddish Baruch Hu harnesses himself in letting us be creators. Now we go into a mystical idea. This is an idea that the Kabbalah talks about, but it has become an idea that is discussed both philosophically, psychologically, but it is an idea that the Mekubalim use in order to explain 
something, uh, a major question about this universe. We say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us. We say, Ein od milvado. We say, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. We say there is nothing but HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We say that everything that exists is an expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzon. We say that nothing in the entire universe has any existence other than by the will of God. And yet, how come nobody realizes that? How come it's not easily discoverable? How come we don't know that we are all here by virtue of the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Why is Hashem so concealed? Why is Hashem hidden that it is not, Hashem is not discoverable through our five senses? We have to have a chinuch to learn about it. And if you don't have that chinuch, you don't really come to that conclusion or maybe some vague awareness or suspicion, but not concrete information. The Kubalim say that because we are designed as Tselem Elohim, as creators, it must be that a Kaddish Baruch Hu conceal himself so that we operate as separate entities. We feel autonomous. We feel as we are individuals. We feel like we can do what we want. If Hashem's Shechina was so all-pervasive, so overwhelming, so clear in everything around us, we would be unable to have our own sense, our own point of view, our own opinion. We would be like prisms that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is shining through. The only answer to two plus two, so to speak, would be four. And there would be no other answer because it would be so obvious and so clear that every blade of grass is HaKadosh Baruch Hu saying, desha, the earth should, should, you know, should grow forth vegetation. It would be so clear. What could we do in opposition to that? How could we have anything to offer? We would have nothing to contribute. In order for a human being to truly be God-like, a creator, then God must conceal himself from us. And today's Rosh Chodesh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu conceals himself from us. The Kabbalistic term that is used is Simtum. It's not quite Hester Panim. It's a little bit different. But it's in the rain, in that area. But symptom. HaKadosh Baruch Hu conceals himself from us, which means he makes it that although he, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he, she, there is no gender here, is, is the cause of our existence and surrounding and the rutzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu flows through us and, it is, and it, it, we experience it as, it as us, as we having rutzon too. We having a sense of purposeful existence and need, we have a need to create something. We can't perceive HaKadosh Baruch Hu with our five senses. Conceals himself so we shall be free to be creators. And when we say concealing ourselves, we mean that HaKadosh Baruch Hu conceals himself even when we make the wrong decisions, even when we make mistakes. And on Rosh Chodesh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu asks us in Parshas Pinchas to bring all the various Rosh Chodesh karbanos and... In addition, it says, V'chatas la-Hashem. A chatas la-Hashem. And the Gemara says there, why is this chatas called a chatas la-Hashem? It's an unusual title for a carbon chatas. And the answer is because a Kaddish Baruch Hu says, bring a carbon chatas <laughs> on my behalf, on Rosh Chodesh, because I diminish the moon, which my grandfather explains is code language for I concealed myself. Therefore, people make mistakes. Therefore, they act as if there is no God, and they operate as if they're completely independent, and they don't even have to take the possibility of God into account, and they can do whatever they want, even in direct violation of what Hashem wants. I did that for the purpose of the Chirachavshis, and therefore there's going to be hate, and it's my responsibility. 
Kodesh Baruch takes a chayas. Now, the idea that a person is a creator and it is so valuable, it is the godlike essence of a person to be allowed to be a creator, and to that extent and for that purpose, God himself endures continuous chilol Hashem. By, st- by concealing himself, he allows us to be free, which means there will be continuous chilol Hashem in this world. And the word chilol comes from the word chalal. Hashem creates for us a perception that this world it has a, is, a, is void of Hashem's presence. The mashal I like to use to show the relationship of us to Kodesh Baruch Hu, Hashem's concealment, but yet our being entirely a product of the Ratzon of Hashem, and entirely in the mind of a Kodesh Baruch Hu at all times, and Hashem is concerned about us at all times, and yet Hashem remains concealed so we can exist separately, the mashal we give is the muscle of the fetus in the mother's womb. In a sense, that idea of tzimtzum, that Hashem draws away, so to speak, making a halal, making a space so we can exist, that ayin, this is a Kabbalistic notion, that ayin, that void, that yesh me ayin, that had to be created by HaKadosh Baruch Hu because it's not reality. There is no place that is void of Hashem. Hashem created for us a perception of a vacated space, an ayin. That was the first part, the first element of the Bria was creating this ayin, this place where we, within it, would perceive that we are, this is the whole world, this is what it is, this is our universe. But a Kodesh Baruch Hu, so to speak, contracts away from this ayin, so we can exist in it. Now to us, we are not aware, just like the fetus cannot see its mother because it's in its own little cocoon within its mother, but it's the closest creature in the world to its mother, and it's being protected and kept alive and animated and all this is being provided for by its mother, but it cannot see the mother directly. That is exactly the predicament Hashem put us here in this world, so we could feel autonomous and have the chirachavshas. But it's not the same in reverse. The mother is always aware of the child. The mother is sustaining the child. Everything is coming from the mother. And that's why the names of a Baruch Hu that re- represent this relationship are female names, such as Shechina. Shechina means Leshachen, right, to dwell, the indwelling of us in a Baruch Hu. And the indwelling of a Baruch Hu's Ratzon in us. The name Makom, it's also female. Hashem, the Gemara says, Hashem is Mikomo Shel Olam, the Makom that the world exists within, like the mother is the Makom of the fetus. But ein ha'olam makomo. But this world doesn't contain Hashem. This is not his place. The fetus doesn't contain the mother. So our children have to exist separately, which means we have to pull back. And that means there's going to be a chil of the parents. There's going to be mistakes and embarrassing moments and, and, and errors that they make. And it's not going to go so smoothly. And if I got a Baruch Hu can endure, endure it, we could endure it. The, but the most important thing is never ever to convey to a child that they are not a creator and they don't have the right to, to learn and to question and to, like we do also, what Klal Yisrael did in the Midbar, to sh- create a certain demand, a certain independence, freedom, separation, in order to do things their own way. And all along the way, we are guiding, but not necessarily controlling. Rashi says this clearly in the parsha in Vayigash, where, ya- where Yosef describes his relationship to Paro. He tells his brothers 
that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him down to Mitzrayim after the brothers, you know, he revealed himself to his brothers and he says, and Hashem made me la'av leparo. It's in Perak Mem Hey, Pasuk Hey. Bracious. Hashem made me la'av leparo. And Rashi says two words on the, on the, to define the, word, the, the title av, father. He says, chaver upatron, a friend and a patron. Patron means I believe in you, that you, patron of the arts, you have a creative ability, you have some kind of talent. I want you to be able to express your talent, and I'm going to support you so you can express your talent. On the other hand, Rashi tells us something else to explain what it means when a person is considered to not have something to contribute. It is a fact. It is not an option that no human being alive can accept the message that they have nothing to contribute, that they're irrelevant, that there's no, they, they, don't, they add nothing. They're not, they're not here to create anything, that the world would be just as good without them. They don't matter. Nobody needs them. It's not possible for a human being to accept such a message because the message is fundamentally the ultimate sheker. HaKadosh Baruch Hu called us at Selim Elohim. We are creators. Hashem created us purposefully, and we know intuitively that we are purposeful, and we are meant to express in our unique way, through our potentials, through our personality, something new that comes from us because we discovered it through our exploration and our hard work, even with the mistakes involved that, along the way. The Rashi that explains what it means not to be relevant is the Rashi on, um, on it, also in Bereshus, the Rashi on the Pasuk where the Torah tells us that Bas Paro went down to the river to bathe, which means that day to be Megayor in a sense to the Jewish ideology. And the Pasuk says that, they, that she went down to the river and it says, and her handmaidens are walking on the side of the river. And then it says, she saw the box, and it says, she sent her handmaiden, and she retrieved the box. Now, what are the extra words in this Pasuk? Basparo went down to the river to bathe. Her handmaidens are walking on the side of the river. She sees the box that Moshe's in, and she sends her handmaid to go get the box. Why do you need to know that her handmaidens are walking on the side of the river? So Rashi says, holchos asfas hayar. He says, Holech Lashon Misa. They're going to their death. Why? Rashi explains, because they tried to dissuade her from saving Moshe. So let's create this scenario. They see the box. There's some Jewish child. There's a child in there that clearly, you know, why is a child in the river? And she, being already rejecting the whole ideology of her household, of her father's household, is already a different human being and says, I am not going to let an innocent child die. But the maids are saying, don't interfere with your father's rules. Don't rock the boat. We don't want the Jews. This is all, you know, let it be. Question is, did she listen to them? Clearly not, because the next phrase in the Pasuk says, she sent her handmaiden to go get the box. So Rashi is telling us like this. To have a point of view and to be completely discredited, to be ignored, you're irrelevant. I don't care what you have to say. You're zero. That's called death, going to your death. At that moment, from that moment on, they became entirely irrelevant to Basparo. They might have been her handmaidens who served her, you know, 
but she never listened to a word they said. She had no interest in their point of view. That's called death. No human being can accept the message, no matter what form it comes in, subtly or directly, clearly, that they are irrelevant, they don't matter, they have nothing to offer, and therefore they just should do what we want. That, if a child, if a human being actually accepts the possibility that that could be true, they will kill themselves, either in real life or through drugs or alcohol or some other way. Or they will kill the person who gives them that message or the society that gives them that message. But it is not possible to accept that message. Ramosha Shapiro even says that he heard from a great person that if somebody truly believes or conceives of the possibility that they're zero, the mind compensates by creating delusions of grandeur. So they think they're Napoleon, or they think they're Yashka, or something. Some type of uh, insanity takes over. The basic message in Chinuch is that our children have the right to be to find for themselves, according, you know, with the help of our Chinuch, their unique contribution. Clearly, that means the parent cannot expect, and we all know this already, to have the child live out their dreams. Independence and individuality is exactly what we're trying to cultivate. This is clear. The, dif the, the difficulty here is it's hard to hold back when our children make mistakes and are very, especially when they're young, up until 18 years old, before the neocortex begins to grow in, they're very impulsive, very passionate, very emotional. It is the neocortex that starts to manage those emotions. The neocortex is capable of thinking about long-term consequences, cost-benefit analysis, but the neocortex does not grow in till 18, and then it slowly develops for like another 10 years. So we, can, we don't even need to expect from our children that degree of rational thought and of consequence, taking consequences into consideration. And we, it's natural for children to respond passionately and emotionally according to what they perceive around them. And therefore, I would say this. In terms of chinuch, in those first 18 years, the main objective is that the child knows that the parent is a chaver and a patron my best friend and the one who's gonna, who knows that I have something to offer and is going to be a patron. Help me develop what I have that is unique. If that relationship is established, that the parent is the friend, then when the child becomes a little bit more mature and starts to be able to think more coherently, then the messages and the guidance and the good ideas will be added to that. But when a child is impulsive and irrational and, and emotional in those years and we then become their opponents instead of their allies because they're not quite how we want them yet and it's taking such a long time, then that, unfortunately, that could linger on until, into those years when the child becomes open and available. The Kutzker says on the, on the famous line in Shema, al so you know the famous part? He says, when you're being mechanach, your children, you teach them and you give them guidance. And it all piles up on your hearts. It doesn't go in yet. But one day, the heart will open up and all of that will fall in. And it'll be integrated. And it'll blend. But essentially, until that time in those your first years, and perhaps longer depending on the child, the objective is that just as each of us 
insist on being knowing that we matter and we are relevant and we have a right to free expression of how we appreciate the world and how we see things within the context of, tr- uh, of true ideas. Clearly, we have to give our children a chinuch of what is true. And this, I'll end with this one concept. Um, and beyond that, we have a bond with them, an attachment to them, so that they understand that although they cannot necessarily, um, they cannot necessarily ex- understand as children, for example, like we, we're as the fetus in the womb, right, as we don't necessarily know exactly how Hashem conducts this world, but we know Hashem does conduct this world. And a child's youth, they don't know exactly why the parent uh, is telling them this or that, but that the parent loves them and is their supporter and is, has confidence in them. Then there, a bond attach, uh, develops, which allows for great growth in the future. The Rambam says the following. The Rambam has 13 ikrim. The 13 ikrim that the Rambam have are not ideas, beliefs pulled out of a hat. The Rambam says if a person does not operate with these basic ideas, they don't live in the real world. And these are the ideas that we must convey to our children. Think about the fetus in the womb, and then we'll go through the ikrim. Here are the ikrim, and these are the messages the children must get. These are just concepts. There is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that, that is the source and the, and the reason for our existence, okay? although we cannot see Hashem with our five senses. Everything that happens is unified towards one purpose. There's only one God, and everything is going towards one purpose, which is that we, in this womb, so to speak, become aware of a Kaddish Baruch Hu through our own search and our own development and our own thinking and our own understanding. It's a process. So we realize that we're really not alone here. That a Kaddish Baruch Hu is non-physical, okay? We, the mess, the ikrim are that the Kaddish Baruch Hu does communicate to people. There is truly such a thing as nevuah. We're not alone here. There are moments of transparency to that, so to speak, uterine wall through nevuah, through nisim. There have been in Jewish history moments of transparency, so we know that we're part of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Then that Moshe's the Torah is true because we heard Hashem give Moshe Nevuah, so we, we, we were part of it, we experienced it. That we matter, we're creators, and therefore there's reward, there is there is Bechira uh, Chavshis, and therefore the, what we do matters, and therefore there is what is called Schar Onesh. And Schar Onesh is not that we have a punitive, vengeful God who's punishing us if we disobey. We, have, we are part of our parents that wants us to be creators and every and when we when we 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 um, abdicate that responsibility or we begin to create the wrong things there are corrective measures there is not an angry god god himself takes a achrayus responsibility for the mistakes we make and there is mashiach and there is tchesamesim it's all tachlis it's all purpose just like I went to Berea, just like uh, a friend of ours, her father, Dr. Penzias, discovered the radiation in, throughout the entire universe that proved that there was a beginning, a creation moment. Okay? What surrounds everyone, what courses through the entire Berea is the purposeful creation of this, of this uh, universe. It is purposeful. We are purposeful creators. We have a rut zone. 
It is part of the great Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We know we have something to contribute. We feel the initiative. We feel the Ratzon to bring something out of ourselves, to matter, to have something to say, to be taken seriously, to be relevant. It is not optional. A person that say, I think I'll, I'll believe, I'll accept the idea that a human being is purposeful and matters. Every human being is part of that stream, part of that current anyway. Everything is going towards that direction. Everything is leading us. Everything that happens, and only we are meant to use everything that happens to bring us further to that. And these ikram, these concepts, form the governing principles of a world of truth. And with these concepts in place, then a person finds their unique contribution to this world. How they will, through their own individuality, further express and strengthen and root these concepts into the consciousness of their family, their community, their world, knowing fully that as they hear, as they, as a Kodesh Baruch Hu created us with purpose, created us with purpose, we extend that to our children and convey to them they are deeply purposeful and we're just waiting to find what about them is unique and that they can develop and they can contribute. There's something in every person. That's what we're looking for. We ignore all the other stuff that's not so, you know, that's more, you know, either mediocre or average, and focus on the strength and help them bring it out as a chaver, a friend, and a patron. Okay. Any questions here? How would you say slavery? Avdus. Evet Hashem. The difference between Avdus and Evet Hashem is we, by, through our own hard work, come to accept upon ourselves that we are, with all our talents and all our abilities, we are putting ourselves at the service of our mother, so to speak, to put oneself at the service of that. Here's the idea. We, you know, she asked a very wonderful question. What shall we create? Well, what's missing in this world? What do you create? What's missing? What's missing in the womb is the clear and obvious presence of the parent. What we're here to create is an awareness of Hashem's shechina dwelling in, despite the fact that we can't see it with our five senses, that's, we make ourselves avodim, which means devoted to making HaKadosh Baruch Hu known in His own world. Notice this, one last idea. Hashem, Rav Meishver says this all the time, Hashem's fate is in our hands. Hashem will not be known in His own world because He conceals Himself unless it comes from us. We allow Hashem to be known in this world. And that's the message. Each person does it their own way. And we, when we make ourselves avadim, we say we devote ourselves to, and we become so necessary. We matter so much to God because through us, Hashem will be known in his own world that he conceals himself from. And success at that endeavor is kavod. Yeah. Yes, in a way, yes. Anyway, but tikkun olam, the way they take it is more good work, you're welcome. Um, I can't take this. My son is